Welcome back to another episode of Mind Matters Perspectives. This season aims at bringing you stories of individuals from across the world, from different walks of life, sharing their stories and their experience with mental health. We believe that there isn't one facet to mental health, and we are committed to representing all stories and all experiences. We believe in creating a space of inclusiveness where you feel seen, valid, and loved. A trigger warning before we begin: the discussions. that take place on this podcast are at times extremely intense we touch on topics of self harm suicide depression trauma abuse and a lot more so please take care when you listen to these episodes also most of these experiences are not from any certified professional we're just individuals sharing our stories so please do not count this as any form of professional help and if you need help please do seek it for more resources you can always check out the link tree in the bio of mind matters page you will find an extensive list for different countries and different forms of help that you could seek and without any more delay let's move into today's discussion joining us today from usa is madison uh madison can you would you introduce yourself your pronouns what you do thank you first of all for um you know having the space here for me to um speak and share my experiences my name is Madison Lynn um from DC um it's the capital of the US for all of those who don't know uh my pronoun my pronouns are um either she or they she her they them um at this point i don't have a preference i'm comfortable with either um and uh yeah i've been in dc now for a long time um originally my family is from vietnam and we moved over to the other washington which is on the west coast of the states um when i was 5 but we've been in dc for um i'd say about 15 years now so i Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of where I don't know. I don't I don't really know where I would call home though. I just know that this is where I live. <laughs> so I think a lot of us have a very complicated relationship with the word home. I know I do. Uh but seriously thank you so much for joining me and for reaching out and I'm very I'm looking forward to the discussion we're about to have because I know it's going to help a lot of people. So um if you're comfortable Would you share a little bit about your own journey with mental health and what made you want to talk about it now? Um, my journey's been a. Uh, I, I mean, it's it's been complicated as a lot of our journeys are, but I honestly wouldn't say that. I probably my actual journey with mental health, I would say, didn't start until probably about five years ago. um so you know for the record i'm about to turn 33 um so 5 years ago you know i was in my late 20s and it was um it was really traumatic you know it was a really traumatic breakup with a long term relationship that i'd had and at the same time there are a lot of things in my life that just you know decided to fall apart at the same time and you know kind of growing up in an an asian american specifically vietnamese household we don't it's not part of our culture to speak openly about mental health right like it's not a thing that exists so i was never raised with um like encouragement to speak about how you feel and one of my family could relate to and therefore kind of i grew up with the same mentality and i was like well you know all these people who say they're depressed or anxious or whatever they're just not it, it was always my family it was always oh, it was because they're not busy enough you know to like um keep themselves keep i guess keep their mind occupied so yeah i grew up with that sort of thinking which is i know now not healthy at all and certainly not something i practice um again i'm in my 
going into my fifth year of therapy with the same therapist, I've been very, very fortunate to really, I guess, just hit it off with the first therapist I spoke to. Uh, And we have a really great relationship, but it really took, you know, a really catastrophic event in my life to get me to that point. And even then going in, I was skeptical. I mean, I, I did it as a, I was in a very dark space and I did it because I was like, well, it can't get any worse than this. And I am here to dispel all of, like, you do not, you definitely should not get to the point where you are in that space and it's catastrophic and then decide to seek therapy. Like, please, I think the point of therapy is to prevent all of that from happening. It's preventative medicine. It's not, um, it's, it's, I think in the Western world, <clears throat> we're very focused on one, just treating the symptoms and also kind of you know treating it already when it becomes an illness. And I kind of, you know, want to change the narrative um, when it comes to therapy and preventing not, I mean, with with, me- with mental illness is difficult. You can't manage it. Manage it is really important. And certainly within the last five years, I've been able to learn so much about myself and I still have uh, a long way to go, but there's been tremendous growth there that I don't think I would have been able to achieve um, in that amount of time. Certainly, I think just kind of within the last five years, I've, it's, been a lot so it's it's good and it's bad but it's it's all part of that that journey of growth right it's it's definitely uncomfortable um but that's kind of when I know I'm doing it right it's because it's uncomfortable well coming from an Indian household myself and I can Mm -hmm. definitely relate to the non-existent conversation of mental health and that's kind of why I even started Mind Matters I was desperately hoping to hear something that I should have in those moments, but I didn't. And I'm trying to have those conversations that I wish that I had in those dark moments of my life. And again, it's, I think in a lot of cultures, it is such an unspoken thing, mental health. And I think it's extremely tabooed in Asian culture specifically. I think that's a personal experience that I've come to learn from meeting Uh, individuals from all around the world as well. I think I specifically noticed that in Asian culture it is uh, quite the taboo. Personally in my life Mm -hmm. as well we still have, Mm -hmm. like in my family we still haven't had a conversation about what's happened and it's been over six and a half years at this point and that's just the kind of sort of to get an understanding of how lacking the conversation is yeah and it's it's you know it's not only i mean it's not only isn't a thing like we can't have a conversation about something that doesn't exist at all and a lot of uh, you know one of the one of the kind of uh, motivators for me to start the conversation and to talk openly about this with my family even though it's still very it's still a very foreign concept to them even with my my older sister who um we're both born in Vietnam, but raised here in the States. Um, but even she has a hard time grasping um, the concept of therapy or talking about your feelings very openly. And uh, my sister's daughter, so my niece, you know, she turned nine this year and she's becoming, you know, like a real human, like with her own thoughts. And she she's extremely intelligent. And a lot of the you know, a lot of our conversations that I have with her, you know, I, I try to speak very openly about that. And I speak very openly about my experiences because I know she's at the point where she understands that she can, um, you know, form her own opinions and thoughts. And the last thing that I want for her is for her to, you know, go into adolescence and adulthood and feel like, one, there's no one she can talk to. And two, just... You know, if she needed that professional 
third party help that it's out there and it's fine do it like I'm I'm doing it now and hopefully she can look back on you know these conversations when she's younger and remember like hey I go to therapy once a week it's almost it's like going to the gym right I mean you're working out your your mind it's it's there you have to access it and sometimes it's uncomfortable and painful like when you go to the gym and you're doing new exercises or new programs like your muscle and they grow I mean but yeah and again like thank you for doing this I think it's so important that you know someone who is part of the like Asian heritage you know like we're kind of here saying like hey it's not taboo guys like let's talk about it you know, and like, hopefully it'll start younger and become a normal thing. I mean, if only if we talk about it, can we normalize it? And that's, it's as simple as that. And like, like, I've said this many times, the reason these conversations are so uncomfortable is because it's so foreign. Like we've never had them. So people are so hesitant and unaware of what to say, how to say it. And we can only break through that taboo and break through that sort of narrative when we start having the conversations. It's the only way you can make these uncomfortable discussions more easier to have is when you start having them, which is what I'm hoping Mind Matters is going to do and sort of just break that cycle, especially for the generations to come. We, at least I know for a fact, the reason I've never heard any of these conversations is because I know my parents haven't from their grandparents. My grandparents haven't from yep. their parents. It's a generational mm-hmm. thing. And if we don't absolutely start, if we don't start now, then the generation that follows us are victims to the same vicious cycle. And change can only happen when someone tries to open up, I guess. At least that's what we're no, exa- trying to exactly. do. Exactly. That's like that's why it's so important, you know, that you're doing what you're doing, and it's such an honor for me to um, become or be a part of that because I think it's 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 something I've always advocated um, here locally and you know within my family. Um, but I think it's it's great that you have such this uh, wide outreach as well. Um, this wide outreach still shocks me. Uh, I've said this before as well, when I started this, I thought the five people in my circle, the the friends that I live with, uh, the ones that I go to university with are probably the only ones that would ever know. But yeah, I mean, we're doing this for, I mean, and now it's like literally worldwide. So you should be, (laughs) you should be extremely proud. Um, I mean, it's, it certainly, you know, it resonated with me, right, at a time where I really needed it. And I think, you know, if we, or if I could, or even just one other person looking for our purpose or making our purpose um, and, and becoming better ourselves, you know, in that process. Um, I think yeah, that's no, it, amazing. And very noble and I do believe that sharing stories makes a huge difference because it was a story that I heard that sort of opened my eyes to a lot of things and I mean I've talked about this before as well because I do believe so much in the power of storytelling is because when we hear mm-hmm. these stories when we hear experiences we don't have to relate with everything we don't have to have had the same experience or same situation but if we can relate to a bit of the emotion, a bit of the experience, what they're feeling, it validates what we have. It sort of acknowledges your own experiences mm-hmm. and it makes you feel less alone. And I think that makes a world of a difference. Just knowing that there are others who have similar feelings and similar experiences, it helps create a sense of community. And that sense of community saves lives. Just mm-hmm. as simple as to say it and that's why perspective yeah. is about sharing our journeys yeah and, and it's 
you know, especially coming out of last year, I think all of us has have felt extremely isolated and alone. Um, so something like physically gathering in one place, just, you know, you created that community and now we're all a part of it and we're sharing our stories and helping each other. And I think that's um, really important to know that, hey, I mean, especially with the time zones as well, like depending on where you are, like there's always someone to talk to. So it's, it's, you don't have to, you don't have to worry if it's like two in the morning, you just came home from a bar feeling sad, like me yesterday. I was like, Sineha doesn't sleep. So let me just send her a quick text. Um, but it's nice knowing that you have that support, right? And like you said, you don't have to relate to everything. I don't think that's the point. I think it's just knowing that, hey, other people are going through whatever they're going through and here's how they're, they're dealing with it. What parts of that can apply to me specifically or what do I think they're doing that's inspirational or you, you pick and choose what fits for you. Yeah. Um, Um, so like you know, this is the month of June, it's Pride, uh, and this episode, Yay. also uh, just a little note to the listeners, when this episode comes out, it is in fact on Madison's birthday, that we're ending Yay. Pride month on June 27th, please tell me I didn't know right. that wrong, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, June 27th is Madison's birthday and is also going to be concluding the Pride series. Um, not Concluding is not the right word. I mean, it's just ending for this month. Obviously, we will constantly have these conversations. But um, if you're all right with it, Madison, would you tell us a little bit about your own queer journey, how that was for you? Um, and like, how did that play a role with your Asian heritage? And how did that really like impact your mental health as well? Oh boy, hmm. this needs to be its own series, I think. But um, yeah, so surprise, you know, I'm here and I'm queer. Um, interestingly enough, though, <clears throat> my um, journey into my own queerness and my mental health, like, kind of coincided. I think it's because, um, like I mentioned before, I started really, um, st I started my mental health journey um, as a result of this catastrophic event with a uh, long-term relationship that had just ended. And um, up until that point, you know, again, like I was in this relationship, I was in, it was, uh, you know, a, a heterosexual relationship and everything was fine, normal. Uh, but when it ended, like I didn't know what was going to come next. So um, I had spent already at that point, I'd say 15 years like repressing um, my queerness. And I think it all came out figuratively, <laughs> literally, uh, just all at the same time. Um, because I had been, you know, learning how to cope with this, um, the, the end of this relationship and learning how to move on really forced me to um, re-examine who I was and who I wanted to be. So as I was doing that, you know, the thing that I thought I could repress and the thing I thought I could get over, um, started to surface again and of course um and actually it, but it didn't even it, it wasn't it didn't come out right away it wasn't like when the relationship ended I was you know flying a like a pride flag and being gay and fantastic but it took a few even therapy sessions for me to open up um to my therapist about it and that wasn't it wasn't because I didn't feel safe with her or anything like that but it was more so of me learning to accept who I really am. Um, and just kind of give you a little bit of background on, on that. I first 
realized that I maybe wasn't completely straight when I was 13. Um, it had been, so with the kind of person I am, I usually, uh, like I fixate on people, right? Everyone's like, oh gosh, she's a creep. Please don't talk to me. But anyway, the point is, when I find someone that I, that interests me, right? I usually fixate on them and, you know, I, I like to find out like everything about them. Um, it's my OCD too, by the way, since we're talking about mental health, I am, um, my, my baseline is anxious. So I'm always bouncing off the walls. Um, I do have OCD and uh, depressive symptoms as well. So that's my trifecta. And um, so back to the story. I, when I was in, when I was 13, so in the States, that is eighth grade, um, I met, up until that point, I'd always been boy crazy. Let me make that, like, let me put that disclaimer out there. I'd only ever liked boys and been attracted to boys. Um, but anyway, so I met this, this girl in, when, in eighth grade. And, you know, we were friends um, and we were also hung out with the same group of friends and we kind of like had this group uh, thing going, which I, that was also new to me too, because I never really had like a group friend. I always just hung out with everyone. But I just, like the way I felt when I was with her, I knew was different. I just couldn't pinpoint what that was. Um, so of course, in my mind, I was like, oh, you know, it's fine. You know, other girls probably feel this way about their friends too. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't like sorted or anything. It's not like I saw this girl and was like, oh my God, I want to like make out with her and do all this stuff. It wasn't, it just, it felt different. Um, and so, you know, that kind of freaked me out because again, up until that point, kind of with the mental health thing, we coming from, an Asian, or at least, I don't know about other Asian families, but the Asian families that I know, and specifically mine, we don't talk about anything else other than heterosexual relationships and attraction, right? So I was like, oh my God, girl, you can't, like, this is, you can't be, you can't add this to the list of things that make you weird. And that's how I felt about it. There was so much guilt and shame just because that was always how it was talked about um, within my family. And again, Seneha, you, you understand this, but like, you know, Asian families are like huge, right? So when I say my family, I don't wanna throw my immediate family under the bus because they've been great. I'm talking about like my extended family. I've always gotten a lot of crap from them about like how I present and myself. When, when we say like family, was, it's it's your cousins, your aunts, uncles, it's an extended yeah, and family. Yeah, exactly. So it's not extended, village, I think right? it's so, also, it's so a just a concept, I guess, but when we say family, we mean everyone. Exactly, exactly. Extended doesn't really, I mean, it's like, why do you have to say extended? Like they're just family. So I just want everyone, all, everyone who's listening, who doesn't really, or who wasn't raised with that kind of concept. Like when I say family, I'm not just talking about like my mom and dad and my sister, but I had always been a tomboy growing up. Um, and, and when I was like, as I, as I got older, so I mean, garden, I had like really long hair, like the boys, right? And that's what I could say, like, I felt like I was a boy, but I just wanted to do boy activities and like hang out with boys and and dress like a boy because I felt dresses were very they're not practical for me right like I love playing sports and I love um you know running around and doing things and I just didn't feel comfortable in a dress um I I didn't have problems with uh, like knowing that I was biologically a girl it's just like mentally I didn't really kind of feel like I mean either because I knew I didn't want to be a boy I just felt more comfortable with what society decided were boy here boy leaning activities um so yeah I don't, and then I finally convinced my mother I don't know where how I came here but just 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 stick with me the journey will lead you know, it'll, it'll, 
it will make sense in the end. Um, but so I, I really wanted to convince my mother to like, let me cut my hair short. And she was like, I, you know, she was worried that I'd be mistaken for a boy because, you know, at that point, like I was a child, right. And you don't really have any other, uh, distinguishable features to separate you from like, Oh, is it a boy or a girl? But I was just, I, I was like, mom, please. So she finally, um, caved and like cut my hair short and lo and behold, like people started mistaking me for a boy. And I, it's not like, I, I don't know. I didn't know how to feel about it because it wasn't just like when I got, when people mistook me for a boy, I wasn't immediately angry or anything like that. I just knew that like, Hey, like I've always been referred to as a girl and I think you should know that I'm a girl. So don't call me a he or whatever, but um, it, it seemed to have bothered my family more than it bothered me. And I think that then trickled down, like it projected onto me. But I still was very always against growing my hair out and playing with dolls and whatever else girls do, because it just didn't feel like me, right? But if we're going to talk about just attraction, like I had no attraction to females at that point. I had all of my crushes and were all uh, boys. I just also myself like looked really boyish. So, um, but it always been something that was like heavily criticized um, in my family. And, you know, I was always called out for it. I grew up, um, when my family moved over from Washington State to Washington DC, I, you know, I met my extended, I'm doing air quotes now, but I extended family uh, for the first time and they had um, children around me and my sister's age, girls, but they were like proppy, long hair, flowy dresses, girly mannerisms, um, et cetera, et cetera. And I was always like compared to them and whatever I did, and it would be like something as simple as I always like to put my hands in my pockets because I don't know what to do with my hands. Like I never knew what to do with it. So it's, it's been an ongoing issue for me. Okay. If you ever see me in photos, like I, I don't know what to do with my hands, but you know, there, my, my aunt would be like, don't put your hands in your pockets because you look like a boy. And I'm like, why is it such a big deal if I look like a boy though? Like, why does it bother you so much? And I never really understood that. Um, like I said, it didn't really bother me, you, you know, as much, but the fact that it bothered them, it kind of, again, trickled down and started, I felt, and then I had an identity crisis, which I didn't know until I started therapy, but it, it, um, it didn't really, I never felt the need to um, change the way I, just because again, being, you know, what everyone else told me to be made me really uncomfortable already being an awkward child and having very little friends. Um, but of course, you know, as you get into your adolescence and you get like peer pressure, you, you feel this need to like belong. And so it was already so hard for me to, you know, find, find a group that yeah, I belong to. So then of course I started then, I guess, feminizing myself as I got older, as I got into uh, like my pubescent stages. And no, that, that was fine. Like I was like the, the transformation felt natural. It wasn't forced or anything, but it was still then still preferred like dressing like a boy or you know, I still had the same mannerisms. Um, but yeah, so then, you know, we were now at the age when I already again felt so outcast, even within my own family, right? Where normally you have this expectation where you should feel safe and accepted, however you are. Um, and then when I, you know, met this girl and I was 13 and I started feeling things, I was like, oh my God, like, here's another thing. Like, I, who, who can I talk to about this without feeling already so guilty and ashamed of who I am? Because I never had that 
validation, that affirmation. And it turns out that that's one of my love languages is affirmation. So something I desperately needed. And so now again, you know, watching my niece grow up and she's like I mentioned a huge motivation for me um, to do a lot of things I do is because I don't want her to experience that as she gets older. However, you know, she, I mean, she can't be more different than me when I was nine, but, um, you know, like what, what we said earlier about normalizing everything, right? Um, I just, when I started having these feelings or just kind of this question, I just kind of shoved it down. I was like, no, it's not happening. You are weird enough. Um, so then moving on to like high school years and, you know, beyond that undergrad and everything was cool. I guess everything was straight. <laughs> like everything was hetero. Um, I didn't kind of, I didn't have any more, um, I guess, of those like attractions to other girls until, um, so I, I did a, when I was doing my undergrad, I moved to Japan for a year to study at Sophia University in Tokyo. And there was when I um, met my um, boyfriend at the time in Japan. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know, and I, I genuinely, I mean, that relationship was what really threw me into therapy, but like, I genuinely, I, you know, saw my life with him and I loved him and all of it, it, all of it was real, right? It was very genuine. So I was like, okay, great. Like whatever I had back when I was 13 must've just been like a blip, right? It must've been a phase. But then of course, like the minute I start thinking that, I meet this other girl who then we became really good friends. And then I started having that feeling again. So mind you, I was what in, I was 20 when I moved over there. So um, 13, so it's been seven years, right? My math is good. <laughs> you need to double check. Uh, so it's been seven years, right? So I was like, okay, yeah, like I'm, I'm cool now. It was just a little thing, whatever. And then when I met this girl, and we started hanging out, like all of the feelings that I had when I was 13, like came back again. And I was like, oh my God, like, it's fine. You're safe now though, because you're dating a man. So this must be something that is just, I don't know, just ignore it. It's not important. You don't need to explore that, right? You're in a loving relationship with a man, you're good. Um, and that, you know, moments like that would happen now and again. Um, and my my ex and I were together for six years. So, you know, during that whole time, that was like my, he was like my kind of like the safety, right? And again, it wasn't, it wasn't a um I wasn't in the relationship under any false pretenses, but because I was like, oh. You know, because we're, I mean, I'm in a relationship with a man, like whatever else I feel or might feel toward other women must just be a fluke. It's nothing again. So I would like shove it down, put it away. It doesn't exist. It's going to go away on its own. Um, and I think, you know, it's really important also to address the fact that. The whole idea of bisexuality was so, it's like a unicorn, right? I remember the first time you ever found out that like some, like a human could be attracted to like both female and male. I was like, oh my God, what like a mystical creature? How does that happen? Because I'd always known of, of um, well, you know, just homosexuality, but in especially male, male male attraction um unfortunately through more of a uh, it was never presented as healthy right it was always some sort of like a comedy skit or something but i mean the idea of bisexuality i was like 
that is not real. You cannot be attracted to like everyone like that. And so of course, like um, the universe would have it. They're like, oh, you want to bet? And, uh, and yeah, I, I just, I mean, I think obviously a large part of the reason why I had such a hard time dealing with all of this is because one, I wasn't aware of any of it. No one had ever talked about it openly. And again, like I told you, the idea of someone being attracted to both male and female is, I was like, dude, that's not a thing. Um, yeah, it's it just, you are, and, and being, a, being a child are already feeling so um, isolated from your peers. This is just something else to add to that. And, uh, you know, I really want to open that I want to change that narrative, right? Like open it up. Like, yes, all of these things can exist. And yes, you are valid. You know, you can, you have, you can have these feelings in this completely natural one. And it's, again, like you're valid. You're not a freak or you're not weird for feeling any of these things. Um, but again, I didn't have any, I didn't have anyone to talk to about it. Um, there weren't any representation in media like there is now, which is, I mean, we've got, we've come a long way. We have still some, you know, we have uh, ways to go, but it was, it was very, uh, it was very difficult, you know? So as these feelings again, like they wouldn't go away, even though I was like, no, you have to go away now. Like, bye. Um, when I, started my journey with mental health, like learning how to manage, exploring it, learning how to manage it and everything with my therapist. That was when also this, the rest of me, right? I'd always felt like I was living at, I don't know, maybe like 50, sometimes 60% of who I was as a whole human. And um, so when I started having to address like, oh, you know, my, I guess reassess who I was and who I wanted to be I had to finally address like the the rest of who I am and yeah I mean it's honestly like it was it was rough um but when I finally was able to accept myself like that was when I became whole like that was like oh like here I I, I became Madison that day Right? but it took a long time and the hope is that people don't have to take and it was 15 years of living like half of yourself um the goal is to help people just be themselves from the get-go like it's explore it you know but know that when you're done exploring when you figured it out that it's okay to be that 100 percent of the time um so yeah, that was my very convoluted uh, queer queer journey. Again, it's going to be a series on its own. Check it out when uh, it, when we publish it. I don't know when, but it was uh, it, it definitely was a learning experience for sure. I think, um, especially in the BIPOC community, you don't hear a lot of queer stories or like in general these conversations. So I think just you opening up right now has without a doubt helped a person who would have heard this now. Someone probably, um, any individual who's maybe in the closet or just questioning things, maybe hearing you talk about this has probably like given them like a seed in their head saying that, okay, so this is also possible. Okay, so mm -hmm. others also that have these kind of attractions and that's kind of why we wanted to just have these conversations and just put them out there as much as we can and I am so 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 grateful that you've joined me on the podcast and that you've been so open about your journey as well because I truly do believe it's going to help people I hope so I really do if it's just even if it's just one person like that's that's great. Like that's all. That's like you mentioned. Um, storytelling is so powerful, and it helps us feel less alone. It helps us feel accepted and validated, and that's what we all need. 
of me just like, you know, putting my story out there, which I try to do as many times as I can. Um, and with practice, it gets a lot easier. Um, and that really is just it's the goal is to help someone out there feel like, or to know that they're not alone. Is there anything that you wish that you saw like from like the queer community, which you felt like would have helped you on your journey? Like, is there anything that you, you feel like, had I heard this at this point in time, or had I seen this in this point of time, it probably would have made things easier for you? Oh gosh, I mean, yeah, like you know, seeing that, uh, seeing one of the things about you know, like coming out again. I'm not. It's it's everyone's own like personal thing, like their coming out story. Um, personally, I never really had like a coming out in a traditional sense, just because my goal in that was. I just wanted to be able to walk in a room who she's with now. That's who medicine's with. But instead of being like, oh my gosh, like, are you gay now? Or weren't you straight? Or, or is this why you broke up? Is because you, you know, like, it's not, it's, I just want it to be a more fluid, it's just a more fluid process um if you will you know just because like we we don't expect people in heteronormative relationships to take on you know to have to make these disclaimers and disclosures so I just want it to be a very kind of normal thing like I don't I, I don't want people to because feeling like you have to announce who you are instead of just being who you are is it adds a layer of um, uh, like anxiety for sure, but it also it, it it kind of it it takes away from you just focusing on being who you are because you're like oh great like how do I make this announcement where you know I tell people who I am so that I can be who I am instead of why can't we just skip that and just like be who we are. Um, so, you know, queer storylines in media right now where that is the case, you know, there's never, there's kind of less of a focus on this character having a big coming out or even a traumatic, traumatic and dramatic coming out, right? Which was, I think, the focus um, in a lot of media that we had before is that a character had to really go through this thing. Um, and again, everyone's experience is different. and you know who whoever shared that experience and saw on tv like it it resonated with them and did hopefully you know benefited them in some way that's great but i um definitely like the fact that it's becoming less of a thing like not in a, not in a sense that it's dismissing or discounting um the coming out part of it but I think it's more important to focus on just, hey, that person is like they are, you know, instead of having them, expecting them to make this announcement first before they can be themselves. Um, so yeah, if I had the media that we had now, I think it would have been a lot easier. And I think it's like, and there's a lot of, there's there are a lot more, um, you know, lesbian or at least like, Girl, girl relationships being portrayed now, which I think back then when I was growing up was super, like, I don't, I can't remember. I mean, it was super rare, right? And even rarer in Vietnamese culture, because like Vietnamese culture, we always talked about, you know, our family when I was talking about like gay men, it's like, okay, yeah, like they exist. But like it, gay women, like what? It's like that's not a thing either. Um, um, so yeah, I mean, I again, we still have a lot of ways to go in terms of diversifying representation, um, which is another topic I'm very passionate about. But we are at least headed in the right direction. 
in terms of normalizing yeah um, uh working on the pride series a lot of these conversations and the other projects that are coming out in pride month um i think this has been a very common answer that a lot of individuals have talked about is the media representation and how much it makes a difference and comparing to what it was and what it is now there has been huge mm-hmm. huge strides of like progress but it's like you said there's still more steps to be taken like right now mm-hmm. we're at the right representation now and the next step is to diversify the representation to represent all communities all experiences but it's nice to know that members of the community feel like they're moving in the right direction which gives people hope i guess absolutely like i mean i you know i was talking to my niece the other day and like what I, i try to you know see like where her um boundaries are kind of like where her limits are and and I mean, she's definitely in a, a better position than i was at that age so she's just everything she's like but yeah i've already seen it on youtube and i'm like okay great sorry um yeah it's just like we i mean we have to you know it's, it's just again like normalizing right like normalizing like being human guys like at the end of the day we are human right uh, normalizing mental health like talking about it and normalizing um the therapy but the therapy is tricky because i know you and i have talked about this um that instead of it being a a, a right it's a privilege um so you know that's that's difficult cuz i know there are some people who aren't against therapy they just like it's not accessible to them which is so unfortunate because it's such a it can be such a useful and powerful tool um in helping us learn to navigate our mental health journey but not everyone has that privilege which is insane to me um but yeah so you know doing this can at least help i mean neither you like we're 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 not licensed therapists like we're not professionals guys but we can at least uh, we're professional in our own stories um so at least like we know that much and whatever story resonates with you go with it talk to that person you know i'm sure who I'm sure I mean anyone who wants to talk to me like I'm more than happy to do like you probably would have a hard time getting me to shut up because these are like topics I'm super passionate about um but yeah I mean it's just that that support and and having that that space that you can talk about it which is so important you know the first step is talking about it and then once you kind of if talk therapy is no longer your thing there are other avenues but I think just to begin learning how to talk about it too is important. I don't think people realize that like you know that when you go to therapy you don't just it's not just it doesn't just happen, right? Like you don't just sit down on on the couch or whatever on the chaise and things come out. I mean, it's you have to learn how to articulate these things. Anything like what in that process as you're learning to articulate that you do realize you realize that holy crap like, i don't really understand like what i'm feeling so how do i articulate the fact that i don't understand what this is and it's challenging again it's working it's 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 challenging in so many ways but that takes practice too like therapy takes practice it's not something that you go in and and things just work out um but it does you know with practice you get better and you will grow but you have to you know something you have to want to do for sure and it's hopefully i think everyone can benefit from it in some sense um but again it's you have to be at a point uh in your mind to really open up and accept therapy just bouncing off that uh, discussion on therapy itself uh, would you be open to sharing maybe some coping mechanisms or techniques that you've picked up along the way or something that you use to ground yourself oh boy 
Um, yeah, sure. So I am, I love living in my head um, and like having conversations with myself where I play every role in my life and I assume everyone's personality and characters. And then I, you know, I, it's a, it's an entire movie going on in my brain. Right. And that can be a very, that's like a rabbit hole in a rabbit hole in a rabbit hole. Um, and that, you know, I, I have a tendency to ruminate and I, and, and with my anxiety, uh, I tend to assume worst case scenario which is one, really unfair to myself, but two, really unfair to those in my movie because they, there's never been any evidence of you know, whatever's happening in my brain in real life, but it's just kind of where my brain likes to go. Um, so you know, with, with my anxiety, when I'm there, in terms of just like channeling your other senses to kind of get you out of that, um, you know, I focused a lot on my breathing because that um, kind of earlier on in my in my sessions, um, my therapist was like, "Do you realize you don't breathe sometimes?" And I was like, "What? <laughs> like, what do you mean I don't breathe sometimes?" She's like, "You hold your breath for a very long time," and I'm like, "Huh? That could explain why I'm always out of breath." Um, or like always just trying to catch my breath. And so something that was, has been really helpful for me and, um, you know, in, in a lot of levels, like one, getting oxygen to my brain and, and helping me live. Uh, it's when I, I, I now can, I guess I've just become more aware of like my my outward mannerisms rather than just kind of like in my head. Like I'll focus on what are my hands doing? What are my like what what is my body physically doing and how is it physically feeling? Because that pulls me out of my head and it focuses on like the now in the back to the tangible things that I can actually like touch or smell. Um and with that, I can pick up on when I stop breathing <laughs> like when I when I was able to recognize that like I was like holy crap it happens a lot and especially when I feel like I'm under a lot of stress or when something is uh you know really kind of freaking me out like I'm just I don't breathe <laughs> and um learning that and just really learning how to like breathe with intention instead of just kind of letting it you know your body do the work for you has really helped in so many ways. Um, it's helped with controlling my anxiety too, because um, breathing is when I have uh, my you know panic attacks. Breathing, it's it's so important. Um, and yeah, I mean, again, like I, none of this. I had, I had no idea that I wasn't breathing. So guys. Make sure you're breathing. Um, you might be breathe. If you're anything like me, you were probably not breathing. Um, so please remember to breathe and breathe intentionally. Uh, you know because your your breath, your breath work is very important, um, especially for people who, you know, are anxiety like have an anxiety, an anxious baseline, if you will, because it's like our, our, our minds are always going and our hearts always jumping out of our chest, right? So breathe and take it, take it back down, maybe one or two or three or four notches. Um, and it'll not only make you feel like physically better, but it helps to clear that mind space as well, because it tends to get really cluttered up there with the movie and the, the props and the different characters and, and all, all that stuff. I found that very interesting. I've never heard of someone say that I play all the characters in the movie in my head. <laughs> I'll show you. Yeah, no, I, yep. I do all the, the costume change, all the characters. You know, I assume every, 
everyone and they're just really mean to me all the time. So it's not healthy, but um, yeah, I do that. I do that a lot. So I have to, you know, get back out into reality and really just like meet people, <laughs> you know, let themselves play themselves um, instead of me doing it for them. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. And you're right. Yeah, mindful breathing makes a huge, huge, huge difference. I know personally, I use it as well. And mm -hmm. I have now slowly developed a better approach to it as well. It, it takes a bit of practice. I think people find it very oh, yeah. silly when you just say, oh, just take a breath. Like there's a very big difference when you say take a breath and when you say take an intentional breath, which, and I, I won't lie, I was one of those people that used to be like, what do you mean take a breath? Of course I'm breathing. This isn't helping me. <laughs> And I have like sort of brushed aside that advice many a times, yeah. many, many, many a times, Yeah. but it is with recent practice and more understanding that I'm also sort of accepting and growing and learning as well, which I think is very important with all of these things, especially, yeah. but um, yeah, I mean, Madison, that's what I wanted to ask for this episode. I think, um, we know for a fact that there are some more discussions that we really want to have, and we definitely intend on doing it as well. But um, thank you for taking the time to talk to me, um, to talk to our listeners, for opening up about your queer journey, especially. I'm, it's a very, I'm very happy to be able to like release this on Pride Month. And since this comes out on your birthday, I'm going to say happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, technically it is still a couple of days since we are recording before mm -hmm. but um i'll make sure that your socials are also included when this episode comes out so in case anyone wants to reach out have a chat she is quite quite cool to talk to i can attest to it for sure um thank you thank you and also if there are any any fans of batman out there just so you guys know Madison is Batman supremacy as opposed to Superman. Just saying, <laughs> if anyone wants that information. But um, yeah, I mean, before we wind up, do you have any final thoughts or words or advice that you want to leave with the listeners or any questions also? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, I think that I, I really um, struggle with is. I, I constantly feel like I'm on a timeline or like a deadline to do something. And it, it and more more often than not, it it it's it works against me. So I think what I you know what I would like if you were to take away one thing from this is that to do it on your own time. You know, like I mentioned, it took me a long time. Um, you know, it, it wasn't until five years ago that I started really going on. Until five years ago, I didn't start to, you know, commit to this journey and exploring who I really am because there was, I was so afraid of what I was going to find. Um, and, but that's what needed to happen because I was finally in a place where I could accept all of that, you know, there have been so many times where I could have explored it because it, it kind of like showed its head and was like, hey, I, you know, I'm a part of you. Like, don't you want to know who I am? But I think if I had done it then, um, because I have this arbitrary deadline, I don't think I would have gotten as much out of it as I, as I did when I, you know, just kind of let, um, let myself really come into it you know like don't don't force it don't feel like you have to be a certain way do something at like this point in time or because your next door neighbor did it or what have you because I know it's really difficult especially in this in this society where we're constantly being fed information from you know from everyone all the time and it's hard not to be like, oh, but should I have already done that? Or like, should I be doing that? And like I said, like, trust the universe. I did, I, that's the first time I mentioned the universe. So 
you know, I, Banana knows I love talking about the universe, but trust the universe. Like when the time comes, it, you'll get the most out of whatever it is that you have to address. You know, it, it took me 27, 28 years to finally address like who I am as a person. Up until then, I been I, I was deep in an identity crisis. Um, and I have you know moments now and again, but for the most part. Um, the foundation is there. So it had to have come at that time. Had I explored it when I was 13 or again when I was 20, I wouldn't have gotten um, much out of it. There would have been a lot of resistance. So just trust your own timeline and you will be fine. And you are loved and validated. Happy Pride, everyone. That is such a wonderful way to end this episode. Um, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to talk to me and for reaching out and just being so open and honest and it's without a doubt going to help people. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm so happy to be part of this community and I'm just so honored. Thank you. And that was another episode of Mind Matters Perspectives. Tune back next week for another one. Love and light to all.